Good morning, everyone. Today's feast day of Corpus Christi uh, was instituted in the 13th century. And basically what today is, it's basically the church telling us this is real. The Eucharist really is the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And the reason that the church instituted in the 13th century, right, have you ever wrestled with, is that really Jesus' body? Has anybody ever wrestled with that? Okay, when are you guys going to learn to be honest? You're all liars. (laughs) Of course you have. I hope you have. If you haven't wrestled and said, could this really be true, you're not paying attention. You're not engaged. It takes faith. We have to trust in Christ's promise that it is his flesh and blood. And all through history, Catholics, they knew that Christ taught this. They knew the church taught it. But it's hard. I remember sitting before as a priest, and still as a priest some days, I remember kneeling and just thinking, is it really you, Jesus? Are you really there? It's okay to ask those questions. In fact, you really should ask those questions. So what happened, though, in the 13th century was, and I didn't look this up too closely, I have before, but there's all these Eucharistic miracles in history, and this was one of the biggest ones. And basically, I think it was a priest disbelieved, and the host, the piece of bread, turned to visible flesh and blood that you could actually, your senses could see. And that host, that piece of flesh, is still in Italy. There have been all kinds of modern tests done on it. It hasn't corrupted in over seven centuries. And, it's, and the scientific analysis on it says that it's actually a piece of the wall of the heart. Amazing. Now, I pray before every Mass that doesn't happen because it would freak me out to no end. Right? So if you see me screaming during Mass, call a priest to anoint me before I die of a heart attack. Brothers and sisters, so today what I just, the one thing today, all I want you to think about today, I just want to encourage your faith. This is real. The Eucharist is real. There's unbelievably good reasons for believing in it. And if you understand the Eucharist, it will change your life. I'm tempted to go into all the scripture behind it because you know I love doing that. Um, And maybe I'll change course and we'll do it. We'll see. But that's the basic point today. So to begin, though, I want you to think, have you ever met someone who is overly serious? That everything always becomes very formal and very serious? Anybody, you know people like that in your life? One of my best friends is kind of this way. Father Jason Wunsch, wonderful priest, great guy. I've known him for something like 15 years. And Father Jason Wunsch, you can ask him, like, so pretty cool, the Broncos won the Super Bowl. He'll be like, you know, Brian, I was just praying, and like, people just love sports too much. They don't love God. I'm like, can you just say, yeah, great. (laughs) Broncos won, I'm happy. But he can't. But conversely, you have some people on the other side of things, right, that everything is a joke. You ever met someone like that? They can never be serious. One of my favorite moments with this is as a priest, I get, you know, these marriage prep couples. And sometimes actually couples who are married already. But what will happen is they'll come to see me, and one of them will will be talking about something pretty serious. And their significant other will make a joke out of it, and it's usually the guy. 
And the girl would be like, we are with the priest. Like, shut up. <laughs> we all know that we can go on extremes in those things. There's proper times for being serious, and there's proper times to be lighthearted. And the prudent person knows when is appropriate for which. This week we celebrated the Feast of St. Philip Neri. And if you don't know about St. Philip Neri, you're, you're not, you haven't lived. Neri is just, he's one of my favorite saints. And I'm, if you know me, you know I'm kind of, I tend towards the lightheartedness kind of side. If I could wear flip-flops to Mass every Sunday, I would. And I have before, but then I was like, that's probably a bad example. So I've gotten better about that. But anyway, St. Philip lived in a very serious time. Very serious. Everyone took themselves very seriously. If a priest was a monsignor and you didn't call him monsignor, he would be offended by that, which is silly. People were overly serious about everything. And so Neri knew that, and so he was a prankster priest. (laughs) Love it, (laughs) And so one of my favorite stories about this was that Neri, he had a priest who wanted to join his community. And he's a patron for our community, the Companions of Christ, because it's a very similar community called the Oratory. But anyway, this priest wanted to join the Oratory, but St. Philip knew that he was very vain. He was really worried about how he looked and what people thought about him, and he was always concerned about that. And so Neri said to him, he said, you can join our community, but what you, there's one condition. He said, for six months, you have to shave half of your beard. For six months. Isn't that awesome? Well, the priest, he couldn't do it. Because he was too serious about himself. And so he didn't join. By the way, I think I'm going to do that for the Feast of St. Philip Neri next year. Can't wait. (laughs) Missed my chance this year. It was like three days ago. What I want to propose to you, why does this matter? Brothers and sisters, you have to know your time. You have to know when you live. The spirit of our culture is the opposite of the time that Philip Neri lived in. Our time is not a serious time. Our time is a time when everything is held up for contempt and mockery and everything is a joke. We live in a Saturday night live culture. And if anything is sacred, it's immediately made fun of. Right? We live in in an age that doesn't know what it means to be serious about things. And if we're going to be mature, if we're going to be thoughtful, mature human beings and Christians especially, we have to think about these things. And today, brothers and sisters, if there's anything in your life that you should be more formal about, that you should hold in reverence, that should not ever be a joke, it's the true presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. So it's real. So the Bible, right, if you haven't studied this, by the way, this is why I'm a priest. When I was in college, I doubted all this. Right, you go through high school and you don't really care and you just hope that mass goes quicker than, you know, mine. And you go to college and you wake up and your brain starts coming alive. And I started asking all these questions about Catholicism, all the normal ones, and I asked about the Eucharist. And I doubted (laughs) I was like, it can't be. Why would Jesus do that? And we don't have time to get into all the answers to that today. 
But the, the answers were so powerful that I'm a priest today. And if there's anything I hope for my congregation, for you all, if there's anything I can give you, it's a love for the Eucharist. If you understand it, it would change your life. All over the New Testament, the earliest Christian writings we have outside of the New Testament, they all talk about the Eucharist. The earliest document we have that's not a part of the New Testament was written probably before half the New Testament was written. It's called the Didache. And it gives instructions for how to behave at Mass. It talks about the true presence of Jesus Christ in the Eucharist. It talks about how you shouldn't receive the Eucharist if you have serious sin. St. Ignatius of Antioch died a martyr in the year 110, and he knew St. John the Apostle personally. And he talks about the Eucharist all over his writings. Every century, St. Irenaeus in the second century, in the third and fourth centuries, the list explodes of Christians who write about the Eucharist. Basically, every author we know of who is a Christian in the ancient world, almost every one of them writes about Jesus in the Eucharist. It's amazing. St. John Vianney says that the Eucharist is the devotion of the saints. Some people today, right, this informal attitude we have in the modern world, it's crept into the church. You can go to a lot of priests today and they're like, oh, it's no big deal. Lighten up, have fun. Of course God loves you and that's great news and we're not supposed to be gloomy Christians. We're supposed to be joyful. People who have received the greatest gift possible, God himself. But Mass is not the time for us to be casual and flippant. Mass is sacred. It's when Jesus offers himself, his body, blood, soul, and divinity to the Father, and you and I get to be a part of that. That's sacred. And people who say, oh, you don't have to be sacred at Mass, every saint in Catholic history will disagree with them. Without exception. Every single saint. We always joke about this, my friends and I. If you're a Catholic nerd, which you all should be, sometimes you'll meet like these people and they have these devotions of a saint they really feel like they relate to. And they're saints that nobody's ever heard of. And only like Catholic nerds know about them, like Gemma Galgani or something. And people will say, you know, you'll meet them and they'll say, who's Gemma Galgani? And they'll say, oh, she loved the Eucharist. And you're like, duh. <laughs> really, she loved the Eucharist. Oh, no kidding. Every saint in Catholic history, do you want to be a saint? Do you want to be holy? Do you want to be close to God? Every saint in history for 2,000 years loved the Eucharist more than you can imagine. So let me tell you a story. So in 1995, John Paul II came to the United States. St. John Paul II. And by the way, I, I put this book out. We have a couple left in our bookstore. Um, Jason Everett is a local author, and he wrote this book called um, St. John Paul the Great, His Five Loves. If you don't read this book, you're not going to heaven. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I've actually read sections. But um, <laughs> what? 
But Jason Everett has these great lines in there. He tells wonderful stories. And John Paul II, in 1995, he came to the United States and he visited D.C. and he went to Baltimore. And Jason Everett talks, he interviewed all these people. And there is a priest in the Vatican who is in charge of organizing papal trips. And this priest, he called the Diocese of Baltimore and he said, when you're planning this trip, here's what you've got to do. He said, what you have to do is that the Holy Father loves the Eucharist. (laughs) And he said, he'll never pass by a chapel without stopping and praying. And this guy said, it destroys the schedule. It destroys the schedule. So he said, you have to, when you're on your trip with the Holy Father, you have to organize the trip so you never go by the Eucharist. Right? Great thing to say about a pope, right? (laughs) Well, so the story is that John Paul II got to Baltimore and they went to the Archbishop's house for dinner and they had dinner with the Archbishop of Baltimore. And the priest in Baltimore who was organizing that part of the trip, he knew in the hallway, there was this long hallway and there were doors on each side and they were all identical. But one of them was a chapel. And so the priest, this guy, Father White, he said, well, I'll just close all the doors. They're all identical. Won't matter. So they finish dinner. And they start walking. And John Paul goes down the hallway. And he's walking, walking. And he he sensed the Eucharist in the chapel. And he didn't say a word. But he turned to his priest assistant. And he wagged his finger at him and shook his head. (laughs) And he went right into the chapel and destroyed the schedule. (laughs) Brothers and sisters, what if it's real? What if it's real? What if if Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as he promises, John 6, 53, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, for my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. The one who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me and I in him. And I will raise him up on the last day. What if it's real? Are you taking the Eucharist serious enough? Every devout Catholic I know, every one without exception, loves the Eucharist. They understand that it's not just something that we go through the motions about. They understand that Jesus, the one who loves us, is present throughout history in the bread and the wine. And that he wants to dwell inside of us. The lectionary, when we go to Mass, you know, I always, it's always interesting to me, whoever chose the readings, where they kind of start and where they end them in the Bible. And our second reading today in 1 Corinthians 11, St. Paul says, he talked about the Last Supper. For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body which is for you, and he goes on. And he gives the words that we hear every Mass. But then they cut off the reading. You know what the next line after we ended our reading is? 
Here's the next line that St. Paul says. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of profaning the body and blood of the Lord. You can't do that if it's a symbol. If it's just a symbol, you can't profane it. Let a man examine himself, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body, eats and drinks judgment upon himself. The Eucharist is the greatest gift that we possess. It is Jesus himself. With great gift comes great responsibility. Brothers and sisters, if you treat something sacred as no big deal, if I can live however I want to and still receive the body of Jesus Christ, St. Paul says you eat and drink judgment upon yourself. It's serious. Jesus gives himself to us in the sacrament. (laughs) Great gift brings great responsibility. And if we knew, brothers and sisters, if we knew what happened in the Mass, my good friend says if, if Catholics understood what's happening, they would crawl on their hands and knees to receive the Eucharist. Jesus humbles himself. He gives himself to the Father and to us. And brothers and sisters, we have to take that so seriously. We need to rejoice, but we have to understand how sacred that is. When you come forward today to receive the Eucharist, the priest says the body of Christ, and you say amen. Amen is a word that means so be it. And you know what you're actually doing? You are taking an oath. When you say amen, you're swearing an oath before God. You're saying amen, I know that is the flesh of Jesus Christ. And so brothers and sisters, today when you come forward, let your amen be true.